So the last two weeks, um, I've tuned in after the fact because I was on vacation. Um, but I tuned in online, and I, I have to say the last two weeks have been really encouraging for me uh, to hear from Micah at Camp Tlachitic and Brian, I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name from last week, um, doing the grid training. And if you missed those two weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. You can check them out on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Music. Um, encouraging and, and so uplifting. And it's our, it's our call. It's our call to go and make disciples, to, to build God's kingdom up. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Micah's just because, A, I really like kids and next-gen ministries and, and what camp does. And I think all of us, over the last two years when Micah comes, a lot of us had our hands up saying that, yes, camp had a big influence on my life, had a big influence on my faith walk or my kids' faith walk or someone that I know. We know someone who has gone to camp and accepted Jesus. And it is it's such an, a great ministry. And I'm actually excited this summer I get to go at the end of the summer and be one of their, their speakers for the week. Uh, I'm super excited because I love camp and you can just be crazy and do cool things and teach kids about Jesus in, in fun ways. Uh, and then Brian last week talking about how, how we have those people in our lives, in our grid, our workplace, our home, our community, um, that, that we can have conversations with, that we can get to know and get to, to engage with and learn from. And it just made me think of our call as disciples of Jesus in Matthew 28 verses 19 to 20, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I want to take what, what Brian talked about last week and go one step further with that. I want to challenge us to go one step further. And this hit me last week when I was home, my sister and I made a very impromptu trip home to Ontario. Uh, I think I left within four hours of her calling me and saying, hey, let's go to Ontario. Packed my bag, celebrated Jacob's birthday, and hit the road. Um, it was intense. Uh, we didn't even tell my parents we were coming. We just showed up at their door. It was the best surprise ever. If you want to see the video, come see me afterwards. Um, but it was a great, a great time to see my dad. Uh, see how he's doing, and just and just to be with them and celebrate my mom's birthday. First time in 17 years, she had all three kids home, and it was just a huge joy for her to have us all home. But what struck me on that weekend, last weekend, was we went to go visit my, my grandma. My sister and I did, and we were just going to make one visit to her, quick visit, say, hey, grandma, we're here, also, bye, we're going to go again. But, well, as we were visiting her twice, she insisted that we come back the next day to visit her before we leave to go back to New Brunswick. At 99, she knew exactly who my sister and I were as we walked into the hospital to see her with a mask on. She knew exactly who we were and where we came from. And she told her nurse. She, I, was, I was surprised. Um, but she insisted twice that we come back and visit her. So we're like, all right, I guess we kind of have to go back and visit her because we were just going to spend the day with my parents. So my mom and my sister and I, we went up the next day and on my mom's birthday, and we visited my grandma. And when we get there, grandma was really excited. And she was having, am I good now? I don't know. Uh, 
we were, she wished my mom a happy birthday and all this sort of stuff. And then she points to her tray beside her bed and she's like, get, get my daily bread for me. So we pick it up and we pass it to her and she flips, this is not the daily bread, but she flips to the, the day that she wanted and she passes it to my mom and she says, read this. So my mom read it and then she put it down and then my sister read it. She put it down I picked it up, took a picture of it because I wasn't going to remember it in that moment, and I scanned it, and then I put it down. But it got me thinking about how, how growing up, very few times I remember my grandma or my other grandparents really sharing about their faith with, them, with me, or even like encouraging me in those ways. We went to church together, or we would do other things like that, but never really shared those moments of, of talking about our faith. So it was really cool to see my grandma point out this, this, this moment of her reading. It was from two or three days before that, saying... Mom, I want, or Peggy, my daughter, I want you to read this. I want you to read this. And I have no idea what my mom took away from it. My sister took something completely different away from it that I took out of it. So it's just really cool. And I wish at the moment that I had asked my grandma, why? Why are you sharing this? So it got me thinking about how we need to disciple the next generation more. And every generation is different, and every generation has different things that we're going to take away from, from life. Um, like, my grandma would probably read something very different than I read out of that, maybe. So today I want to focus on our next gen, our next generation of those coming up um, in their faith. And that doesn't necessarily mean young people. It means anybody who is growing in their faith. We at KBC describe next gen, or define, sorry, next gen that way, that next gen is anybody from like birth to young adulthood, yes. They're the next generation of people coming up, but also those who are in their, their walk with God. From, you could be 45 and just accepting Jesus. You're part of the next gen. You're part of that group of people that are growing and walking with Jesus. But today, I'm going to focus a little bit on the Gen, Gen Z. There are so many generations now, I'm so confused by them all. But Gen Z is adults between 13 and 22. So this is a little bit of our focus here. They've done some research, and they produced it um, within this last six, eight months. Uh, now, mind you, I'm going to say some of this research will have changed greatly due to COVID. So they did this in 2019. So take it and then, like, increase it, because COVID didn't help. COVID backtracked things. So Gen Z is the loneliest generation. And you might think, what? There are always so many people around them. I don't understand. But they are the loneliest generation, and they claim to be in the worst health than the older generations. I like to think that I'm in probably worse health than my grandma. She's 99. She's just, she takes vitamins. Like, <laughs> I really hope that maybe I have her genes. Um, one in three young people feel completely alone much of the time. One in three people, young Gen Z, feel alone a lot of the time. And 40% feel that they have no one to talk to and feel left out. Some of you Gen Zs might agree with this. Some of you might not. 
But this is, this is the world. This is our generation that's coming up. They are alone. They feel alone. And they feel left out. And if that doesn't break your heart, it really should. Because this, the, the, this is the generation that's going to continue to grow our church. It's going to continue to grow God's church. And we want to bring them in and love them and fill them up. So these students want, more so they need, people in their lives. They need people to influence them, to engage with them, to have conversation with them, to feel like they're someone important. But here's the thing, just coming, just inviting them to church and just bringing them here on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday or Wednesday night to youth group isn't quite enough. It's not enough. They need more than that. Because quite a few students will come to youth group and they'll still feel all of those feelings of feeling left out, but they're here. They could come on a Sunday morning and they still feel left out, but they're here. It's not what's going to bring them that next step. So in front of me, I have um, two containers of marbles. I thought about candy, but then I thought that'd be a waste of candy. Um, and this is an illustration from years ago, but in this jar right here, the jar that's less full, close up so those online can see too, this jar represents the number of hours a student spends in church in a year. On average, it is 40 hours. 40, because take away vacation, get sick, or busyness, not every student comes every week. And in those 40 hours too, don't forget that you're not being taught that whole hour either. Like, it depends on how long the pastor talks for. I could talk for an hour. I, actually, I can't talk for an hour. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. But 40 hours is what the influence of the church has on a person. 40 hours in a whole year. That's not very much. Now then there's us as people, as parents, as grandparents, as youth leaders, as just general people who love Jesus, you have an average of 3,000 hours. This is not a very good representation, but it's all I could find. 3,000 hours that we have to influence the life of someone. It doesn't matter how young or old they are, and you're thinking, well, I don't have 3,000 hours in my year. You do. You just have to make that time. You have to give something up for yourself to spend it for somebody else. So, yes, I hear a lot. I want my kids to come to church. I want my grandkids to come to church, which, yes, I want your kids and uh, grandkids to come to church. I think that'd be fantastic. But that's not just what's going to bring them to a relationship with Jesus. It's not. It's your influence in their life. It's you having conversations. It's you taking what Brian said last week and asking questions and, and engaging in their life. And, you know, you might think, well, Kristen, this is what I do. Like, I already do this, but they still don't come. That's okay. They might not come right away, but you're trying and you're making that thing. You're making that influence. So parents, grandparents, pa like pastors, youth leaders, and the congregation, you guys have the greatest influence 
on someone's life. Now the CBAC, which is kind of cool, produced um, they, the last year, they've done some research with Atlantic Canadian teens, and they just produced it. It came out on my desk the day before I left for vacation. It's a good thing it's a quick read. Um, but they produce this, and it's, and it's based off of what Atlantic Canadian teens are saying about church and faith. And they say that the greatest influence in their faith, in their walk with Jesus, is their parent or guardian. So if you are a parent of someone, which I'm assuming most of us are a parent of someone, and if you're not quite yet a parent of someone, here's the rest of it. We have the parents are the greatest influence, and then pastors, camp directors, youth leaders, and people in the church are the second greatest influence on these people, on these teens in their faith, in their walk with Jesus. So no matter where you're at, no matter what age you're at, you have, an, you have the potential to influence a student. And we are scripturally called to share our faith outside of Matthew 28. We're going to flip today to Psalm 78. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you or if you have your phone and you're, you're, you want to open that up, Psalm 78, and it's a long one, but we're only going to read the first eight verses. <clears throat> oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the, our, glorious deeds of the Lord. About his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. We're called to share our faith stories. When I was home, um, my mom was sharing some stories about growing up. And, you know, I was sitting there listening to them, obviously, being a good kid. Um, and I loved it because it was stories that I hadn't heard before. She didn't share that, those moments. And when I was home in October, my dad shared stories with me about growing up and what he wanted to be when he grew up. And... It was just by asking a question, and then my mom just went on this very long story, which is really cool. But it got me thinking again about how many times we sit around the table at a big family dinner, and we hear stories from our grandparents or our parents or our aunt or our uncles about, oh, the good old days when we did this, or this is something, or maybe it's a current story that's going on in your own life. And we talk about these stories, and we share them often. But think about how many times you've sat around that dinner table and have you shared a story about your faith? Have you shared about what Jesus is doing in your life? Have you shared maybe with your kids about how you got to know who Jesus was or who Jesus is to you? 
We're really good at telling stories about life, but we're not always the best about sharing stories about where we're at with God or how we got to know God. And that's what we need to do. We're called to share these stories so that our kids and our grandkids and the next generation of the church will stay focused on him, will grow to love him. I'm not good at it either, I'll be honest. <laughs> like, I'm not, this is a sermon as much as it is for me as for you. It's, I'm not good at about sharing with my kids about where I'm at with Jesus. Or sometimes even with the youth, like I'll hold back a little. I don't want them to know. Maybe I'm struggling and I, I don't need them to know that, but I should be sharing that with them. You know, we, we need to share where we're at. We need to share how God is growing us. We are called to share our past, and if it brings the next generation to focus to God, then that's a good thing, to walk in obedience. And if we look at, I'm not going to read these scripture verses, but if you want to write them down, you can. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 37 to 40, Joshua 21, 43, and 1 Samuel 12, 7 to 8. These are really good examples of how it reminds us that God is a multi-generational God who is faithful to his ancestors and worthy to, obeyed, to be obeyed by the present generation. We can read through the Old Testament and, and see how God has brought his people in and out of love with him. Like he doesn't bring them, sorry. He doesn't bring them, but we watch how they come in and out of love with God and how God is always faithful and he's always there. And we have our scriptures to turn to, to find that. We want the next generation to know and love God. And we need to share that. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that, safe, that same faith continues strong in you. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Here he is sharing. He sees that faith. He's seen it grow from, from Lois to Eunice to Timothy. It has been passed down. Even in the New Testament, you see it being passed down from generation to generation. And you know what makes the difference in someone's faith and life with Jesus? Is meaningful conversations. 42% of the students in Atlantic Canada that took part in this survey identified that a meaningful conversation was an important action that helped them in their faith journey. A meaningful conversation. Not just a, hey, how are you? How was your week? But go beyond that. Kind of like what Brian was talking about last week. And the second and third were encouraged and valued. They felt encouraged, they felt valued and that their people were there to support them and be available for them. And as we know from earlier, we have the time. We have the time to have a meaningful conversation. We have the time to support them. We have the time to ask questions, to be there for them. 3,000 hours worth of time. That's a lot of TV that we could give up, or a lot of other things that we could give up watching those hockey games, just saying. Or, or, 
because <laughs> we're not going to watch a hockey game. Or the first thing we need to do is when we, we decide that we need to mentor somebody, we need to, to engage in their life, you got to engage in their interests. So teens will come to me and they will tell me something that they're interested in and I have no idea what they're talking about, which makes me feel really old. <laughs> but, um, but then I go back and I, and I research it and I look it up and, and I figure it out. Like right before vacation, I got Snapchat because that's the way that the teens are engaging in conversation online is through Snapchat. I have no idea what I'm doing on it. And I'll be honest, but I'm trying so that I can engage with them where they're at. Parents, we all know it. We have to engage with our kids where they're at. Malachi loves to play Minecraft. I have tried so many times to play that game and put the block here, but the block always ends up over here. Haven't figured that part out, but he tries to teach me. But it's engaging where our kids are, where our students are, where those people are in your life. Engaging with them. And I, I should note that probably should have said this at the beginning, was I'm not asking you to think of like your people in your grid, but someone in your life that you already have a very solid relationship with that might not know Jesus or might need that little bit more. So you don't have to do all of the, the little get to know you questions. You already have that. You already have that in your life. You already have a good connection. But now you're going to take it to that next level and start mentoring them. You're going to start engaging with them more beyond the superficial questions. So how do we do this? We, we can engage in their interests, figure out where they're at. If they're into hockey, watch a hockey game with them. If they're into Minecraft, play Minecraft with them. If they're into music videos or, or other things, sports, there's a, quite a few young adults that are into Ultimate Frisbee. Things like this. You engage where they're engaged. You, you figure out what they're like, and if you have no idea what it means, the internet will help you. Or you sit and you ask them questions about it. You engage and be like, hey, what is this? How do I play, or, or how does this work? Ask me, tell me all about it. Ask questions, get to know them. And then you spend time with them on their ground. So you don't say, hey, come on over to my house for coffee. Say, hey, where do you want to go? Let's go meet up. Let's go throw the ball around or something like that. <laughs> something where they're at. You, you engage on their level. You engage with where they're at. And then you can share your story. Let it be a two-way conversation. Just don't ask them all the questions. But those who are being mentored, ask questions yourselves. Hey, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by this? Or, or how do you know Jesus? And how do you spend time with Jesus? All of these things. It's a two-way street mentoring. It's not one way. But the older person, sometimes it's harder because we don't actually understand the generation below us. We all need someone to mentor us. And the church isn't going to grow without that. We're not going to be... Brian and I can't disciple all of you from up here on a Sunday morning. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond coming to church on a Sunday morning for these 40 hours. We now need to make meaningful relationships in our lives that we could mentor or be mentored at the same time. It'd be a dream to have everybody here at KBC be mentored by somebody. 
and also be mentoring somebody. How cool would that be? Because it would just keep growing and growing and growing. And I think of, I think of our young adults. I was having a conversation um, with someone this week about our young adults, and they, they have this, they've been feeling it for a little while, this little urge, like, we need to do something more with our young, adult, young adults. We ask them to serve so much, and thank you guys so much for serving all of the time. We ask them to serve so much, but who's discipling them? Who's helping them walk in their faith? I can't do it all. Parents can't do it all either, because, you know, young adults, we tend to stop talking to our parents as often um, about those things. <laughs> but this person I was talking to, they're like, I, I want to do something. I'm feeling the urge that the young adults need more attention in our church. And I said, yes, they do. Perfect. So we had a conversation. They came to me. They felt the urge. They, they're listening to God. They have a whole plan already, which is amazing. So young adults, be on the lookout for more information. But they said yes to God in that moment. They prayed about it. They see the need. And they want to jump into that. They want to jump into discipling our young adults so our church can grow, so God's church can grow. Jesus called and spent three years with his disciples. And I, I know, and we all know, that Jesus didn't preach to them all those three years. They did life together. They ate, they slept, they traveled I'm sure they had fun. I'm sure they cried a lot, too. They did life together, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to do life with one another, but intentionally adding in Jesus in those moments, intentionally adding in conversations about our faith so that we can be mentored and we can be mentoring. No matter your age, there's always something new that you can learn. I mean, I have studied for a lot of years theology and the Bible, but there's always something that you can learn. There's something more. Middle schooler right now, those middle schoolers, they catch me every time. Every week they're asking these deep questions, and they're in grade 6 to 8. They're asking questions that I had never thought of before, and I love it. It's fantastic. And someone was asked if they would be a deacon. It was Lisa. She was asked if she would be a deacon. And I'm so sorry, deacons. But she said no, because she has 15 middle schoolers that need her attention. So she said yes to them, to the generation that's coming up. So we need to do life with those around us. We need to be praying for someone to mentor. We need to be asking God, who do you want me to spend intentional time with, have a meaningful conversation with that I can mentor and build up in their faith. And in turn, you're going to be so blessed by that. So pray. Pray about this. And I know a lot of us pray for our family members that, you know, our kids and our grandkids, that they'll come to church. Beyond that prayer, we have to take steps. And the first step in that prayer is to be intentionally asking God, how can I help this person come to church? Or how can I intentionally have a conversation with this, with this person? It's not just God bring them to church. 
or bring them to a relationship with you, God. It's, God, how can I be that light to this person? How can I take that next step and build on this relationship? And then lean into what God is telling you, to, is asking you to do. As you pray specifically, lean into what he's answering. And be like, yes, God, okay, I got this. And then once you say yes, you live it out. You just go do it. Just like this person I was talking about with the young adults. They're just going to go do it. They had a conversation. They're going to do it. And if you want to know more and if you, if you need help, if you have this urge inside of you but you're not sure exactly what those next steps are, come talk to me or Brian and we'll gladly help you figure out how you can engage more in that area. And don't forget, I'm not talking about just the young generation. I'm talking about all generations. No matter how young or old we are, we all need to be mentored by somebody. So remember that each year we have 40 hours together worshiping God in this setting. But we can have 3,000 hours to influence the life of someone so they can feel less alone more loved, and grow a deeper relationship with Jesus. Because isn't that what we're here for? For people to grow in their relationship with Jesus? So find those 3,000 hours. Even if that means you have to give up a hockey game or give up a, a show on Netflix, you have that hour. Figure it out. Ask God. Make that sacrifice so that someone else can grow more in love with Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up, and we're going to end with the blessing. And I love, I love this, I love this song, well, it's from scripture, but I love this song. I love when it came out. Ruthie and I would sing it at bedtime, and it was the sweetest little thing. She won't sing it for you now, though. She was a lot younger then. But I love it because as you, as we read it, we're asking God to bless each generation. And it says, it's in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26, and it says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. And as we pray this priestly blessing today, which is a way of asking God's divine favor to rest upon others. The blessing is supposed to convey the hope that God would bless and protect them, smile on them, be pleased, be gracious, merciful, compassionate, and show his favor towards them and to give them peace. So as we close today and as we sing this song, I want you to pray either for God to show you that person that you can mentor or for that person that you know that you're supposed to mentor and pray God's blessing on them because that's going to develop into a beautiful relationship that will flourish and grow between that, you and that person but also between them and God. So let's all stand up and worship and pray through this song. And when you go down, Kristen... Stephanie and I have already talked because I, I can't ask everybody else to make it a yes year. We don't make it a yes year. So 
can you mark our names on for May 15th? And we will 